Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. If you follow the news, even just a little bit, you know that Puerto Rico is still in shambles, really. I mean, I can't think of a better word for it. It's been, yeah, it's been three and a half, four months, and I don't believe the island is fully restored electrically. I don't think there's electricity all over the island. And, you know, if this was, uh, say, Washington, I bet you the electricity would be up pretty fast. Yeah. So the humans are suffering. If you can imagine the humans suffering, then you'll know what's going on with the animals, the dogs and the cats, and an already out-of-control feral population of dogs and cats. Mm, Yeah. There is a lady by the name of, what is her name? Mira Horowitz. Mira Horowitz. She was, a, I believe, an attorney. I don't know what kind of law she practiced. She now has a rescue called the Lucky Dog Animal Rescue. And she, she finagled Southwest Airlines to charter a 737 plane down to Puerto Rico and pick up a whole bunch of animals and wow. bring them back to the United States, which is... Uh, she should be running the country. R- that's a lot of finagling. Yeah. yeah. That is a lot of finagling. Like nobody's wow. business. Those flights aren't cheap. And of course, no. the, the staff for that. I mean, it's, that's a pretty incredible feat. And so we're going to no, talk to her and find out about it in just a few minutes. Also, if you have pet insurance, it may have already saved you once or twice. But uh, for some of us that don't have pet insurance, and when I say some of us, I mean me. <laughs> I, I don't have pet insurance. I, I actually take a little bit of my paycheck and I put it into a savings account and I just put it there for a rainy day. But many people aren't disciplined like that. We're going to find out, is pet insurance really worth it today? And yeah, Dr. what do they pay? What, what do they pay? They, you know, you pay a premium right. and then you, they pay like 80%. So it's, you're still stuck with a bill. It doesn't make it, the bill go away, but it could decrease the bill significantly. Affordable. Dr. Debbie, I assume that uh, you probably are an advocate for pet insurance. Just a you guess. know, I am. I, I am in a non-kind of partisan way. <laughs> you know, I don't stand, and I won't tell you, you have to have A, B, or C insurance, but I can tell you the same thing. Stories of animals that needed huge procedures, major surgery, uh, long hospitalizations, and, and in many cases, it's just not price tags you can afford at a, any drop of the hat. So I have seen some great benefits um, that uh, have allowed folks to provide the care they want to. They just maybe couldn't afford it at that exact moment. Okay. So we'll find out, should you have health care insurance for your animals today, pet health care? What are you working on, Lori? You know, I know you're a cat guy. I am. I always, I'm a dog girl, but I do love cats. I just, you know, sometimes they don't mix. But I wanted to, you know, try to balance cat and dog. So we have cat stories coming up. The cat story coming up in this hour will be, how to tell if your cat is right pod or left pod. And it seems they're doing a, mm. a lot of research on cats, especially in this area. But it but it also means some different things that they found out that affects the, the well-being and, and the happiness, frankly, of your cat, whether it's right pod or left pod. Oh, okay. I can't wait. I... <laughs> You right. I, I, I didn't really know it made a difference, but now I, I'm thinking it might have made... It does. It does. Okay. That's on the way in just yeah. a few minutes. And uh, also, we're going to talk to you, which really I think is the most important part of the show. one 405 8405 And let's go do that right now. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Fine. Thank you. Where are you calling from today? Iuka, Mississippi. Iuka, Mississippi. That's Isn't yeah, that like up in the corner of Mississippi near Georgia? No, it's in the uh, northeast corner uh, next to Alabama. 
Okay, so what's going on? What kind of animals do you have? Well, I have a six six and a half year old Scottish Terrier that uh, it's got a little hitch in his get along. Yeah, a hitch in his okay. get along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, going going on the internet and checking it out, there's such a thing as Scottish uh, cramp, uh, and then there's canine hip dysplasia. Uh, leg pertus, P-E-R-T-H-E-S, and subluxated patella, which is a slip, oh. slipping stipple. Well, anyway, uh, about two months ago, the dog looked like he might have uh, just kind of maybe, uh, you know how you can wrench your arm and decide a commission for a while or you can't use it like you want to, but anyway... Okay. Her, her legs looked like she was well, she was hobbling, so I took her to the vet. And by the time we got there, she was up and going and going wide open. And uh, so she she suggested maybe giving it a little Benadryl. But uh, anyway, a long story short, here recently, the last week, she has uh, been favoring her left hip real bad. Okay. And uh, now, the, of course, I had taken her to the hospital two weeks ago, and uh, they did an x-ray of her lower half. There wasn't any arthritis. Everything was clean. And uh, me and the vet talked about the Scotty cramp. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he gave me uh, some pills called uh, carprofen. C A R P R O F E N. Mm-hmm. And I give those. Uh, I, I give her two of those a day. It okay. seems to help a little bit. But now this past weekend, yeah, if she'd stop. She'd sit down. Stop. Okay. Sit down. Okay. And, well. Uh, uh- all right, Tom. Tom, you, you listed a whole lot of diagnoses for a dog limping in the back end, and so you're making my job pretty easy because some of those I'm going to strike off the list pretty quick and easy. Um, uh, if what she's got going on is more isolated to one leg, and she walks on it at sometimes, and then at other times she's favoring it, um, right. I'm going to strike off. I'm going to strike off um, Scotty Cramp off the list. Now, Sc- Scotty Cramp, for those that don't know, it's an inherited problem we do see in the Scottish Terrier breed, and it's a problem where they'll have bouts, kind of almost like episodes of uh, spastic um, movements. And so a lot of times the it'll last for just maybe a, a minute or a couple minutes. Their back kind of arches. They get kind of hunched in the back like a, a cat. Um, and they walk what we call goose stepping, where like all the legs will kind of come up really high like a hackney horse. Um and, and, and that's kind of a only when they're moving thing. So I don't think that really sounds like what you're describing. You're sounding like a pet that's having a, a problem with localized one leg. And if it's the left rear leg, then, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking at things, you know, like our hip, um, the most common thing I see in dogs is actually cruciate injury, and the cruciate ligament is a ligament inside the knee, and that we commonly can see when we have an active dog that kind of strains the knee um, in doing certain movements. Um, can happen from a very active dog all the way down to the couch potato dog that just injures themselves uh, jumping off to go get a biscuit. 
Um, it, and then, you know, certainly other things like kneecaps. Now, if your vet did an exam and didn't see anything um, by feeling things and then took an x-ray and didn't really see a lot of arthritis, it, you know, some of this may still be developing where we don't see bony changes on an x-ray. So you could be kind well, of in that earlier stage. So that might make me think more about like a ligament injury. Um, and, and with that, I'd say, yeah, I, I totally think what, you know, he prescribed, um, a non-steroidal pain reliever like carprofen can, can definitely help that and, you know, some rest and, uh, hoping that we can kind of keep her down to a low roar for a little bit. Now, did you mention that they said he, she also had a, a kneecap that's, uh, luxating out of position as well? Is that on the same leg? Well, the, the, uh, it didn't show anything on the x-ray of any, any joint being out of a, pro, uh, out of joint. In fact, he showed me that he took a big, large X-ray, mm-hmm. and we talked about it. And he said that uh, Scottish Terriers also uh, sometimes their joint would be out of whack, right. but uh, right. it'll pop back in. Does that sound like yeah. it's... Yeah, that's true. And and that's why if he didn't see it on the x-ray doesn't mean it, it can't be there. But um, most times we can very comfortably make that determination by feeling. So um, as he kind of felt your dog's knee, if he didn't feel that that kneecap was popped out of place at that time, then I'm going to say it's probably less likely that that's on our uh, concern list. So yeah, I'm going to lean towards, you know, that ligament strain um, that, that may be the 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 most likely culprit at this point and of course i'd have to feel your baby to (laughs) know for sure but you know if it is that you know hopefully with milder cases you know rest anti-inflammatories will get us where we can go um in some cases that'll um you know go a little bit further and it can progress into the point where actual surgery is required so um you know give her my strict orders for bed rest and to take her medicine (laughs) and and hopefully that'll get her on the mend do us a favor and call us back and let us know what the doc says and how you uh, proceeded and how things are going. Hopefully, hopefully the little guy will be better. You know, I'll, I will certainly do that. Thank you so much. one 405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani right now. And Dr. Debbie, I, I don't know if you saw this email. Which one's that? This one came from Morali just yesterday. And she says, hi, Doc Debbie. I'm from India. I listen to you a lot on animal radio, and I absolutely love your advices on radio. I never liked any doctor's voice so far, but your voice is magical. Oh, and that, that comes from sweet. that comes from India. So think about this: we just heard from the corner of Alabama, where Alabama, Mississippi, and then the, this listener in India. You're just you're all over. You're making is- a difference everywhere. I think that is amazing, but, uh, you know, we do live in a different world now with the internet and, you know, all the e-communication, so thank you for tuning in, and we so appreciate you listening um, near and far. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Alan Cable with your Real Dogs Doing Amazing Things Watch. Probably didn't know this, but during World War One. Bulls were revered. They were on all the war posters, and the dog and the little rascals is a pit bull. It seems like every decade has its vilified dogs. I remember back in the 70s, I think it was Dobermans, and then in the 80s it was Shepherds, and then in the 90s it was Rottweilers. It's been pit bulls for a long time now. 
So here's a real stray pit bull who did an amazing thing. The dog was walking down the street in a small Georgia town when a man whipped out a knife while arguing with a woman. Responding police officers gave the dog the name Hero, and rightfully so. After he was able to fend off the predator so that the woman could actually escape. In the process, Hero was stabbed by the guy with the knife five times. Hero's now at a pet adoption agency in Tennessee called Fighting for the Bullies. Some lucky person's going to be able to take him home in just a couple of weeks. This is Animal Radio, baby. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. It is so easy to ask your questions. You can call toll-free 1-866-405-8405. Or you could download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry if you haven't already downloaded it and ask your questions directly from the app. Ah, modern technology. What will they think of next? As a youngster, I had a little pet rat. Seymour the pet rat. Well, it's actually one of my, one of my first uh, pets that I had. Little uh, black and white with very big nards. And- <laughs> they, they are well endowed. That's are very well endowed. <laughs> if my parents had even thought for a second that I could get rat bite fever... I probably wouldn't have had that as it, a pet. It's, but is that something new, or has that been going on for that many years? I think it's. I think it's been around. I don't know exactly what it is, but I do know that Petco sold a rat to uh, somebody. I guess a rat bit this person, and they got rat bite fever. What is rat bite fever anyway, Doctor? Well, in answer to your question, yes, it has been around. It's not something necessarily new, but it is a type of a a bacterial infection that um, you can get from a scratch or a bite of a a rat. Um, Not everyone gets it, um, but some people can get it, and they can actually get rashes and large lymph nodes and actually get physically ill. So um, it it definitely can be a problem. And it's something that I think for everyone to be aware of with, you know, any kind of pet. You know, there's potentially some risk of what we call zoonotic disease. You just need to be kind of thoughtful and, you know, make sure that um, you're picking the right age child for certain pets. Like we don't like small reptiles for children under five because of the risk of salmonellosis. Um, So, you know, I think that's just something to kind of be aware of. So you're not saying stay away from the pet rat because all animals have a risk of some sort. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a question of um, I've had some people say, oh, well, should we be testing our rats for rat bite fever? Well, you know, pretty much almost any one of the rat side culture is going to come positive for this bacteria. It's whether or not, you know, the person would actually get sick with the infection. So, um, you know, I, I don't remember the whole thing of what they decided at the pet store um, on getting rid of the rats or returning them. They, they did return the rat and uh, got their refund and they were later told that the rat had respiratory issues and passed away. Probably so- unrelated to the rat bite, you know, fever thing. There was a story last year, uh, I think it was in the upper Midwest, uh, in the northern U.S., where there was an outbreak. And uh, they had traced it to a breeder, I believe, in Pennsylvania, which I thought was, I didn't know we had rat 
breeders, well, for a lot of the pet stores, yeah, they come from, you know, you know, I'd say mass produced or more, uh, you know, commercial, um, breeding populations, hmm. rat mills, uh, for, I guess you would call it a rat mill. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, 1-866-405-8405. What's happening at the bottom of the hour from the animal radio newsroom in Miss Lori Brooks? Well, we're going to tell you about um, why knowing if your cat is right pod or left pod is very important. Why would anybody in the animal world, think of all of your pet loving friends, why would you stuff a bag of 78 degrees water down your pants? It happened at a pet store. I'm telling you, this this is this, this stuff is going on out there and you need to know about it, okay? Oh, I'm going to stick around for that story for sure. Okay. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List. Five things we can do to show our pets how much we love them. It's February and love is in the air. It's time to shower all of your loved ones with gifts that show how much you care. So don't forget your truest examples of unconditional love, your pets. That's right, your pets deserve some special attention and gifts as well. The good thing is that your pets most certainly won't benefit from diamonds or chocolates, so you'll be able to keep it simple but very effective. Let's begin with hugs, kisses, ear and belly rubs galore. Depending on the pet you have, you may use any of the aforementioned ways to show your pet how much you love them. Now keep in mind, not every pet enjoys being hugged, but most do enjoy getting some kind of petting, scratching, or rubbing. It doesn't cost you a dime, but it's priceless for the pet that you're giving it to. Next up, engage your pet in one of their favorite activities until they say enough, which may be a very long time for some. Play ball until they say, if you want it, you fetch it. Or if you've got a pet that loves to go on long walks or hikes, make that your goal. It's not always about the length of the walk either. Sometimes it's challenges, the abundant smells, or even just letting them lead the way on the walk. If you have an inside pet, get creative and create an obstacle course or play stations to actively engage your pet for hours. Next is special treats. Now we all have a special meal, snack, or treat, and it's special for a reason because we don't give it to them every day, and often it's not the healthiest meal or treat that they'll get either. But on a special occasion, let loose a little and live it up with their favorite treat. If possible, sneak some healthy, nutritious supplements or ingredients in and watch as your pet devours its favorite treat, even with a few added healthy ingredients. Next up is making them a masterpiece, or better yet, make a masterpiece with them. That's right, whether it's a photograph, painting, or pencil art, find the time to get your pet's beauty and grace immortalized in a way that you can hang on your wall. One of the fun ways to make it truly special is to have them help create it. Grab a canvas, put some non-toxic acrylic paint on it, cover it with some see-through plastic sheeting, and let their inner artist shine. Finally, take them to their favorite spot and just be with them. Put away the phone, put down the cup of coffee, and just be there with them. Watch them frolic, play, and genuinely love life. See the joy that your pet has and invite that into your heart. Our pets live in the moment, and it's a great lesson that they share with us daily. Whatever you do, it's just important to be the best you can be and be the pet parent that they deserve. Share your ways to show your pets love on our Animal Radio Facebook page.
listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. When your cat knocks your favorite coffee mug off the counter, does it use its left paw or its right paw? And Now, you don't have to break your favorite coffee mug to get the answer to this because your cat's gender should tell you enough about it. According to a small feline behavior study, which was recently published in the journal Animal Behavior, did I say journal? It was, it I was cute. Journal. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the journal Animal Behavior. Female cats are significantly more likely to be right paw dominant, while male cats typically favor their left paw. So the study also reveals that animals with no preference for one side or the other, and uh, that's maybe like 20%, and those that also are more inclined to be left limb dominant, those animals are more flighty and susceptible to stress than those who are more right pawed. So there's a whole lot of research going on in this area right now. Another study that has just been out discovers that left-limbed or left-pawed dogs are more pessimistic in their outlook than right-limbed dogs, so they cope better. Um, I have the circus that is Maggie and Tater uh, playing in here right now, not stressed. So I, let me try to think. <laughs> Left limb, right limb. So anyhow, from a, a pet parent's perspective, experts say it might be useful for you to know if a pet is left or right limb dominant because it could help you gauge how vulnerable your pet is to stressful situations. So remember, got it figured out now. Left limb generally equals less happy. So the L's, left less happy and uh, in cats that is usually a male cat that prefers its left side hmm. this all sounds very yeah now we're all gonna have to go check our pets <laughs> well of course you have to i mean see i have a male and a female playing but that study didn't really specify they said cats but they also talked about it being true in um, other animals as well. But I, I don't want to make that leap and go ahead and say it's true for dogs too because they didn't specifically say that. They just said most animals. So for right now, until I can verify that, we'll, we'll, we will leave it at cats. How's that? Okay. Okay. And police in Clearwater, Florida, have arrested a man who was caught on camera stealing some exotic fish from a pet shop. The fish he took while his accomplice distracted the store clerk were not all that unusual. They were valued at the most at $20 each. So the guy netted and bagged the fish from a, a couple of tanks. And then, you know, he's got these fish that he's stealing. He has nowhere to stash this bag of fish. And so he shoves this bag of fish down his pants. Uh, those of us who are normal and have had fish aquariums or fish bowls, we, you know, walk out the door holding that bag. But that's weird. Uh, police officers said it was the first time ever that they've heard of somebody stealing live fish and then stuffing them down their pants. So 
How would you like to be the guy that gets to claim that title in the Book of World Records? <laughs> the guy was arrested, by the way. But the fish were never found. And I did check this out. Oh. Um, fish need water at around 78 degrees, which is really cooler than it sounds. And I think a little cool to be stuffing down your pants. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Just, wait a minute. The, the fish were never found? No. Uh-oh. I, we're not even going there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure to get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And we will head back to the phones for calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani. After this, first we're going to visit with Mira Horowitz. And she is a, uh, I believe she's the founder of Lucky Dog Animal Rescue in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, we have her on Skype. Hi, how are you doing, Mira? I'm good. How are you? Very good, thank you. So, are, are you the founder of this great organization? <laughs> I am. I am. And that's not your full time job, though. You're uh, also an attorney. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm actually. I have left the formal practice of law, uh, and I'm an executive recruiter for universities. So I help find leaders for. Uh, public and private universities across the country. Very cool. Very wow. cool. So you uh, helped charter a plane from uh, Puerto Rico, which is, I got to tell you, it's been, what, four months now? since? Yeah, uh, three and a half. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and very little has been done by our government to help out the the folks there. And there were actually, I don't even know if they have electricity on yet. Uh, more than 60% of the island does not have electricity or water. Think about that. Jeez. Tonight when you turn on the dishwasher to do your dishes and then take a shower, think about the folks from our country in Puerto Rico that have no electricity and no water. And then think about the animals there, too. There were and still are a lot of animals. Wow. A lot Sorry, of- that was my phone. <laughs> Good ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> There, there, there always have been a lot of animals down in Puerto Rico that are sort of uh, homeless and feral in nature. Is that correct? Well, yeah. So it is a terrible problem um, that existed well before the hurricane. And now that um, after in the aftermath of the hurricane, it's just been compounded. Um, people have left the island uh, for many different reasons. And um, it, uh, for a long time, for the first two months, um, the, the airlines were not allowed to put pa- uh, pets in cargo. Um, that was an FAA regulation. So people just had to leave their pets. And sometimes they left them with friends and the friends stopped wanting to care for them. Or sometimes they just, you know, tied them to a chain link fence. I mean, we have dogs that came up on this flight that you referenced um, that uh, Southwest Airlines donated to us where the pets were just, these dogs were just left on a, tied to a chain link fence in a busy intersection. Tell me about this flight. Southwest Airlines donated a flight? Yes, yes. So um, about three days before Hurricane Maria hit, uh, I sent a cold email to the CEO of Southwest Airlines after um, being inventive on my Google searches and finding his <laughs> finding his email address. And um, I had asked, uh, I had seen that they had done a similar flight um, for Harvey, and I asked if they had thought about doing one for Puerto Rico. And and at the time was thinking more in terms of pre-hurricane evacuation. Um, of course. Uh, it, there just wasn't time to pull that off. We couldn't have gotten the health certificate, 
health certificates ready. We couldn't have gotten the plane ready. And, and by the time we were in conversation, most planes were leaving um, the island for, for their own evacuation. Um, so Southwest got back in touch with me within 12 hours. Um, like I, I sent the email in the evening and woke up to an, an answer. And um, even though they couldn't evacuate ahead of time, they committed to helping us uh, bring a plane full of dogs off the island. And um, it took a really long time. No one anticipated when Maria hit that it would take so long to get reliable electricity, normalize operations at the airport. And even I mean, they're, they're far from normal at the airport, but at least the airport is functioning. So this was, was a 737 is a pretty big plane. Was it full yeah. of animals? It was, yes. Set the <laughs> so, scene, if you will. So um, almost every row had a crate uh, in it, um, a seat belted in, um, and obviously the crates were of different sizes depending on, on the passengers. And then the last three rows of the plane, we had the cats, and the cats were in carriers and were under the seats. And we tried not to put a dog in a crate above where the cats were under the seats so that you know they, the cats were stressed out as it was, and we didn't want to compound things by putting them too close close to the dogs that might be barking during the flight. Um, so that's, that was the entire plane. And then there were 10 volunteers from Lucky Dog and there were about 10 volunteers from Southwest. So the, the um, pilots and the, uh, the flight attendants all volunteered their time, right? They all volunteered their time. Wow. Yes. That is truly incredible. So now where are the animals now? So a lot of the animals are already in their forever homes, which is fabulous. Um, I think well over half have been adopted at this point and the rest of them are in foster care. How many animals are we talking about? There were 62 on the plane. That's a noisy flight. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, it, the, the takeoff was a little noisy from the cat par- portion of the plane. Um, <laughs> and the, the landing was a little noisy from some of the dogs whose, I think their ears were equalizing on the way down. Um, but for the most part, the vibration of the plane, some of those, some of them were out cold. I mean, one of the dogs, we actually opened the door to the crate just to make sure that, you know, he was, he was still breathing, but he was just so happy and asleep and didn't even want to wake up for us to, to, um, to check on him. So what kind of a dent did it make on the animals that were left behind? Yeah. Um, you know, I think every animal that gets off the island is, is important, obviously, but there's a huge need still. And uh, we still have enough animals um, for, for a flight. We're trying to raise the money for one more flight um, coming up in the next two months. We have about probably between fifteen and $30,000 to raise to finish that, to, to pull that flight off. Okay, so give out the website, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, www.luckydoganimalrescue.org. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. We salute you, Mira. And we also salute Southwest Airlines. Wow, uh, yeah. what a generous... Uh, yeah, that was that was pretty, pretty incredible. Awesome. Yeah, they say that they're the airline with heart, and I got to say, they've got a lot of that. You got to believe that. Yep. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, Mira. Thank you so much. Take care. I think she was doing dishes. At the I don't same know time. what all that noise was. <laughs> it was probably Tater and Maggie. I was doing my best to keep these guys quiet. I, I've, I've gone through their whole treat bag already in the first, you know, how many minutes of the show. <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime, they aren't just there for show. 
Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And we will head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And we're going to go visit now with, uh, I would dare say, should I say, America's favorite veterinarian, Dr. Marty Becker. How are you doing, Doc? Loving life. You know, it's so funny to think back of being a little kid and loving animals. We grew up on a small farm in southern Idaho, so we had dairy cows and beef cows and chickens and pigs and horses and everybody had names, and my dad was really strict and mom about treating them really well. We had this neat bond with them. And Did they live a fear-free lifestyle? No. No, because you didn't know no. about that then, did you? No. As a matter of fact, it's one of those things, you know, I don't have any regrets in life. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, I don't do, wouldn't do anything differently. Well, I definitely would. I think of those cattle in particular that they would use cattle prods. And my brother and I and his friend would be out there with them with their work in the cattle. And we'd take the cattle prods and, and shock each other with them. Oh. <laughs> and, and trust me, it doesn't feel very good. I mean, it is a, it is a wallop. Worse, worse than a, touching an electric fence, if you ever touched an electric fence. No. But. Now you've been practicing fear-free. And for the last year or a little over a year, we've been talking about fear-free and the fear-free movement. And what it's like for your pet to actually enjoy going to the veterinarian and, and perhaps even want to keep going back. And 2017 was incredible for Fear Free, wasn't it? Well, first of all, I, I have to thank you. You've been a partner on this four or five or six years as this thing got up to speed. We ended up the year with over 25,000 individuals that wow. were registered wow. for certification in 34 countries. You know, we, we have a Fear Free trainer course now. So for trainers that take this additional little course and now they're able to teach fear-free training. And, and this is really an interesting, if I could take an aside here and chase a rabbit for a second. There was a boarded veterinary behaviorist in Detroit that wanted to do fear-free training and positive reward-based training in this veterinary hospital. But this hospital liked Caesar Milan, the kind of, uh, you know, the flooding pets and doing things on these corrections. Well, she couldn't get them to change their minds. So asked if they could do a study. So for two years, they looked at pets who were adopted at a shelter and went to this large veterinary hospital. And they tracked, did they get training? And if they did, what kind of training they got? At the end of two years, only 34% of those pets were still in the home. So two-thirds of the pets had been relinquished, uh, mostly for behavioral issues. So now the practice is like, oh, gosh, we shouldn't be doing alpha rollovers and things in the practice. You know, let's embrace positive reward-based training. At the end of the next two years, 93% of those pets were still in the home. Mm, wow, that's, that's amazing. Sh- yeah, big difference. Uh, yeah. And really where Fear Free is going, we have a Fear Free Shelter Task Force that has formed. It has the top people in shelter medicine at, at UC Davis and at University of Florida, along with Maddie's Fund individuals, this rock star group. But a year from now, if we're to go to 
you know, January 2019, you will be able to adopt a pet at a fear-free shelter that lives in a fear-free happy home, that goes to a fear-free veterinarian, that is referred to a fear-free trainer. Now, if we've got a fear-free experience, I'm not kidding you. When I go to practice, like I'm practicing tomorrow in Sandpoint, Idaho at North Idaho Animal Hospital, and most of those dogs will be dragging the owner into the hospital like they're delivering vaccine on the outskirts of Nome. I mean, because <laughs> they think there's easy cheese, there's shrimp, there's turkey in here. And for the cats, you know, I'm not going to say the cats are dragging their owners in, but 80% of the cats that we see at North Idaho Animal Hospital will take treats now. Wow, that's great. From the last year, I'm sure there's a lot of stories that come to mind. Is there one particular story, a fear-free success story you can share with us? I had one last Thursday. A donor came in, and she had a Labrador retriever named Joy, and she was a new client. This dog purportedly had bitten four or five other individuals at different practices and, and told, you know, basically told just not to come back. It was, it was so aggressive. Mm. All it was was fear-based aggression. You know, this dog, first of all, we, we were very aware. We wouldn't hesitate to muzzle a dog. You can muzzle a dog in fear-free. You just use a basket muzzle so they can breathe, and, and it's covered with pheromones, and you can still give treats within it. But we just gave the dog the choice of where it was examined. We did it on a yoga mat instead of putting it up there. When we came into the room, we used our sanctuary voice, not our game day voice. Uh, we had her bring the pet in hungry. So it respond better to food rewards, and uh, we had her get, had her give it a little chill pill, which was just a it's a green tea extract. And what what got me was okay. Everybody's a little bit on high alert because this dog has bitten people, and the discussion was should we muzzle it just in case? We decided well let's just avoid eye contact, turn sideways, reduce our profile, let the pet come to us, and I threw down about three hot little baby shrimp. And the next thing I know, that dog's tail is wagging so hard, it was lifting alternate back feet off the ground. And, and, and she just broke down sobbing. And i tell you the part that, that got me was her words. She said, never been married. I will never be married. My pets are my family. And I've always wanted to do good by them. I wanted to take them in to get their vaccinations. I wanted to get parasite control. I wanted to get their teeth cleaned as needed. And now I'm going to be able to actually know that I can help them, but not hurt them. If you visit one website today, make it fearfreepets.com or fearfreehappyhomes.com. Both are great sites. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pets. Dr. Marty Becker, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, and I thank you guys. Thank you for your your support. You know, this is a different relationship with you guys. You guys have always been ones that are champion animals and just another, another example for this. So thank you. We believe. You believe. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. 
Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Do you have pet insurance? Do you think it's necessary? There are so many choices out there for pet insurance. Uh, I just Google it. I did that this morning. I Googled pet insurance, and yeah, there was six, seven, eight different companies That's that just all? popped up. Yeah, right on the front there. And a lot of them. They, a lot of the big like health insurance carriers also have pet insurance. Absolutely. Now too. Yes. When you look at the fine print on some of these, uh, you'll see like nationwide insurance actually right. is the underwriter. Yeah. And a lot of big companies and organizations align themselves with insurance companies, too. Like the ASPCA has aligned themselves with a health plan. So is a, a Purina. All trying to get in on what is just the blooming business of pet health insurance. And I don't know if it's profitable or not. And I don't know. I'm uh, Wait, wait, wait. Hal, back up there yeah. because that's exactly what I was thinking. They would not be in that business exactly. if it were not profitable. Well, sure. But there right? are, like nation, Nationwide is already in the business. They're just adding a, another sector to their business that is obviously a $60 billion sector. But you're right. They probably are making money from this. And, uh, Which that, is fine. We all deserve to make money, but yeah. how good of a deal is it for us? Now, do you I'm have curious. pet insurance? No, I do not. Okay. Mm-mm. Are you able to take care of your pet if something drastic or, or some, let's say some catastrophe happened where you needed to get thousands of dollars worth of surgery? Are you able to do that? I can't tell you how many times. Um, amazingly, yes, but yes, many, 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 many times I have paid for thousands and thousands of dollars of surgeries. Yeah. That's the big difference is there's, can you afford basic care or what level of care do you want to provide for your pet? Because that's the real question. And you mentioned some of the orthopedic surgeries, which can be, you know, for like a total hip replacement, you could yep. be around five five grand for something like that. Mm-hmm. So if that's not something that even with having the financing that you want to pay for that you don't feel that you would um, kind of ascribe to that level of care for your pet, then maybe pet insurance isn't going to be a super deal for you. But, um, you know, for those that want to provide that top-notch care, seeing specialists and not worrying about, can I afford this chemotherapy or this advanced surgery, that's where pet insurance really can make that kind of level of care affordable for folks. Yeah. And, and you're on the front line, so you mm-hmm. see, you okay. actually see what's happening right. there. Uh, do you take care credit? By chance? Yeah, we sure do. Oh, yeah, okay. and that's a little different situation. Yeah, that's, that's more a of very like a different credit card. Yeah, a very high interest credit card. <laughs> it is, but, but you know, know what? They they often have different kind of levels of deferred um, uh, interest rates. So if you pay it off and you you get you know say for a six month period where there's no interest, and if you pay it off before then, super, you know you just saved yourself a lot of money. So that can work for some folks depending on what kind of plan might be available in your area and what kind of dollar amount you can qualify for. Um, so we try to have a multitude of options for our clients because not everything fits for every individual client. If you're listening now and you're saying, well, I don't have pet insurance, it's not that we're advocating pet insurance. All of us in the studio has a different viewpoint on insurance and how to pay for your animals when they get sick. I put a little bit into a savings account, and if I need to pull it out, I have it. I don't have to pay any premium. So that, for me, is a benefit and an advantage. But you got to be disciplined to do that. Can I also say that that I I think one reason, a huge reason that I don't have pet health insurance, because I I could have years ago, it was very common for people to have insurance 
on their horses because really? that's really expensive. Yeah, very oh. expensive surgeries. And and so I but I chose not to and um I was lucky nothing big happened. But you know, insurance is so let's just say that I'm really really lazy when it comes to doing paperwork and it just frustrates me to no end. Um maybe Dr. Debbie would know some better programs you know, that are good about coming through and paying for you without having to fill out and then, you know, paperwork and then going back to your vet. And then do you guys have to fill out additional paperwork too, Dr. Debbie? You know, I think there's different ways you can streamline this. So for our clients, what we have is with your insurance company, whoever it may be, we will scan a blank form and put it in their chart. And when they come in and if they designate any time I come in, I would like a, a claim filled out, then we print that off and we start that form at the, at the onset of their visit. So it makes it a little bit more easy for some folks to have that kind of arrangement done, whereas they don't have to save all the receipts and say, Oh my gosh, I forgot to send this in later, um, which you can do just as well. It just depends on how you operate and how you like to kind of think about things. So that we found that helps it to make it more convenient to fill out the forms. We'll find out more about this whole insurance thing coming up with Nicole Forsyth in just a few minutes. Uh, Lori, what are you working on in there in the newsroom? Well, we have, um, you know, usually wildlife imports, should I say, diseases to our domestic animals. You know, we get like rabies and that kind of stuff. But now there's something that's going from our pets and affecting wildlife. And we'll tell you what that is and maybe why you should be concerned. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. And we go to Tony. Hey, Tony. Hey, how you doing? Good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, Riverside, California. Okay, so what's going on with your animal? What kind of animals you got? I have a, uh, he's a about five-year-old uh, boxer, male boxer. Okay, and what's going okay, on? Okay, what's going on? <laughs> he's, uh, he, lifts, he likes to lift his leg on his, uh, his uh, dish bowl, his, his food in his water bowl. Oh, okay. Is there food in the bowl when he's doing that? No. Okay. And is he doing it right after he's finishing eating or just at other times? No, it's, uh, well, from when I see this before, I don't know if he gets mad I take too long to feed him or it's usually I catch it before. Before there's actually food in the bowl. Okay. Yeah. And then do you, you have other dogs too? No, that's my only animal. Okay. Um, and then, uh, no, is it, what's the family situation? Do you have children in the home? Anything, uh, new going on? Um, he was doing it at my previous house. We're at another, a new house now, but it's, um, mm-hmm. I have three kids, a 10 year old, a five year old, and a two year old. Okay. All right. But it's nothing, nothing that he's not used to. He did do it at the previous house. He started doing it before then. I don't know if maybe, uh, he did, no, I did start noticing around the time we started moving. I don't know if that has anything, it could be anything to do with it. Yeah. Okay. And then is your boy um, intact or is he neutered? Uh, he's intact. He's intact. Okay. So when, when dogs, this sounds awfully peculiar. I'm sure listeners are going, why in the world is this dog peeing in his food and water bowl? That, that doesn't is, sound that like anything. the first time I've ever heard of this. <laughs> so everyone's like scratching their head. So why would a dog ever possess him to do this? Um, well, dogs use urine as a form of um, marking. So when, when we have this kind of behavior, there's different motivations. And I'm not quite fully sure on just what you've described, Tony, where we're fitting in with this. But um, generally, we can see a, a dog do this out of either either, um, say, a territorial um, a dominance or marking behavior, or we might see it in a dog that has um, anxiety or is insecure in some way. 
So there's different motivations on what causes them to do it. In a dog that's not neutered, I would have to say that first group is probably more likely because we know that dogs aren't, that are not neutered have more desire to do a lot of type of um, territorial behaviors, marking behaviors. Uh, they may be more um, protective of certain environments or certain situations. Um, so that could certainly be playing a role. Now, the dog that might have anxiety or insecurity might be marking the bowl in a way to say, hey, this is mine, and I just want to make sure everyone around me knows this is mine, and I'm just kind of uneasy about this whole situation. So, again, I'm going to let you know this is mine, and, you know, um, it could be a little bit more of that uh, drive. So to get to the root of that might take a little bit more work, but a couple of things I can suggest to you in the short term would be a couple strategies. One would be to make sure that you're using stainless steel bowls, which do not kind of um, collect um, odors as well. If you're using plastic bowls, they definitely can kind of harbor odors and be harder to disinfect. So um, definitely stainless steel would be the way to go. The other thing would be is this would be an argument on why we would put food and water bowls um, elevated. Um, so he may still mark, um, but he, he's not going to necessarily soil in the bowls, um, which is also a hygiene issue. The other things that we would do would be to remove things in the immediate area. So many of us have like little mats or rugs um, or placemats that we put on our dog's food bowl areas, and we want to, you know, take those out, replace those, um, just because they can be very difficult to just completely un- eliminate um, odor um, from some of those items. Then we kind of have that whole conversation of, Neuter or not? Um, neutering certainly may help in this behavior. I can't tell you for sure it's going to stop it. Um, the last thing gets to training and to um, making a conscious effort at getting him away from the food bowls when he's not necessarily eating. So that may mean if it's right before or after that we call him away, let's say a come command, and we give him some wonderful treat away from the bowls. Take his attention from that area and reward him for kind of leaving the zone. There's no reason to be eating right now. I just finished eating. Okay, I'm going to go over here and get a treat in this zone. Um, and, And that can be one other way, but you have to be vigilant on that and just really pair that with a lot of positive reinforcement. We don't want to yell at him for doing it because it's not really going to help the situation and yelling and saying, hey, stop that. Um, We're better off to motivate him to um, come away from those areas. Um, And I I didn't ask Tony, I've got to make sure, is he doing this kind of behavior anywhere else in the house or is it just the the food water bowls? No, just there. Just that, okay. So yeah, so I I think those would be the strategies that I'd have you look at and then, you know, I'd have a genuine genuine conversation with your veterinarian about if it's time to get this boy neutered, um, not just for this problem, but for other types of health benefits down the road. Snip, snip. Maybe taking them out on more walks, maybe. I don't know if that would help or not. Or You know, it may, but because, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily address any underlying drive for this, um, I don't know that that's going to be the, the plain solution. Now, getting him a more, you know, burning his candle down more, so basically giving more things to do, um, you know, obedience, um, exercise, can be helpful to make him more tired, but it may not take away that drive um, that he's having around the, around the house. So, yeah, I just thought maybe uh, well, and definitely if he's been doing this behavior before in your former home, um, you know, it tells me it's, it's not necessarily just the immediate environment you're in right now. This is a pattern that he started, and uh, um, I, I would definitely try some of those logistical things to change the, the location and the, um, the height of the, of the bowls because that, that may help you in some regards. All right. Well, good luck with things, and uh, hope that guy stays out of trouble because that's an unpleasant thing to have to come home to to find that you've got uh, a yellow tinged uh, drinking water for your pet. You got to keep uh, <laughs> replenishing. <laughs> yeah.
Take care, Tony. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at Red Barn, Inc. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And uh, we're going to head back to the phones. But in about 10 minutes, we're going to do a quick check of the news from the Animal Radio newsroom. And Miss Lori Brooks, what are you working on for this hour? There's a big debate going on about food stamps and pets. Because you're yeah. not allowed to use food stamps for, uh, for, for your pet pets, food. for yeah. pet food, right? which That's is strange. Big. Yeah, but I can tell you why, and I'll give you also some of the other backgrounds and some of the arguments why it might be a really good thing and what it could do. I know there's some big viral uh, petition circulating online. Mm -hmm. We'll find out more about it in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio, but let's go to the phones and talk to you first. Hey, Kathy, how are you doing? I'm real good. How about yourself? Well, I'm hoping your animal's okay. Well, she is and she isn't. What's going on? (laughs) I'll bad for a terrible answer. Well, Well, let's hear about it. Okay, she's one year old, and she is spayed. Her name is Destiny. Okay. And she started having problems when she would go in the litter pan to have a bowel movement. She would come shooting out and kind of drag her rear end on the floor a little bit. And we thought at first maybe she had a hair, because sometimes you know that it gets stuck and all that. But it, it would happen more than just once, so we took her to the vet. And the vet checked her out and said that her anal glands had fluid in them. So now she got the fluid out. And then I think she stuck her on an inflammatory for a little while. But it was like two weeks after that, Destiny would start doing this again. So now she has her on a steroid, which we're weaning her off of that. And she's also on a very bland diet because of finding out about allergies. Mm-hmm. Now, my okay. vet said there could be something else that's causing her to have this problem because it's not always that the anal glands are that swollen or that filled up with fluid, but she couldn't think of it at the time. Now, you're going to say, why don't I just go back to the vet? The problem with that is she just had lost her daughter in a very tragic accident, so she's taking some time off, and I don't like to disturb her, of course, with that. Certainly. So now I got to ask you, Kathy, with your with your kitty, what was the status of the stool when she was having this problem? Was there diarrhea or constipation? Just normal. It was normal, but she was still coming running out of the the poop box. Yes. 
All righty, because there's a lot of different things. When we're talking about something that's causing that dramatic of a situation coming out of the box, we're really going to look for anything that's causing pain. And that could be constipation. It could be diarrhea. And it can be anal gland problems. You know, in cats, it's pretty uncommon. It can happen. But especially in a youngster like that, I'd, I'd look for some of these other potential causes. Mm-hmm. And as we're... as they're working on some of the diet management and the poops are normal. I'm really happy to hear that her stools are good, but we're going to have some challenges as far as now. Right now, is she using the litter box? Are we having any issues with that? No, we have problems now with that. She'll urinate in there, but she won't have her bowel movement in there. And I'm thinking she's afraid it's going to hurt if she goes in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know how to figure out how to help her with that part either. Okay. Well, if the if the stool situation is improving, so that we're pooping comfortably, we're we're certain that she's not in discomfort. We have to deal with this litter box aver- litter box aversion, which is a huge problem in cats. So if your kitty knows where the litter box is, uses it, and stops using it all of a sudden, especially if they're urinating and defecating outside of the box, we really have to look at the situation in the litter box. Now, for your kitty, we can really pair that with something painful and uncomfortable. And cats, when faced with that in the litter box, will refuse to go back to that. I and, uh that. Yeah, so we have to retrain her to the whole litter box experience. And that means we're going we're gonna to start fresh. So we're going to find a new location for that litter box. Okay. We're going to add more litter boxes. And we're going to change the whole structure in the environment. So depending on what type of litter substrate you've used before, we're going to ask you to experiment with that. So if you've used scoopable, we'll maybe go to clay. If you had a lid on that litter box, get that lid off and set it aside. We'll go back to that later. But initially, we need to train her without anything that's going to cause any kind of uh, compromising of her emotional state, if you will. Okay. Um, some kitties like easy entry into litter boxes, so I may even change the shape of the litter box. You don't have to buy those those silly ones at the pet store. You can make your own even out of plastic storage container trays. And those are really nice, especially for older kitties that have troubles um, with missing the box because it's, it can be a low edge. So we've got to do all of that and do not, like I said, do not put that litter box in the same location. Just the location alone can be a very big problem for many cats. Yeah, because when she goes, it's always close to where the litter pan is. mm -hmm. So it's like she knows. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know... Oh gosh, you know, when you go camping, you know, there are those porta potties and, you know, you just don't want to use them. Sometimes, you know, I don't know anybody who might do this and go off into the woods and, and go in the woods instead of using uh, the porta potty, but it does happen. And it's the same thing that our kitties are experiencing. They want to use it. They know it's the right place, but they just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think you've got the, you know, the right idea. We just have to get those things together to give her a new location, a new, new whole sense of the litter box experience. And then gradually when she starts using that, that, then we can try to work back to the location or the preferences you have, but we've got to set that pattern first. Okay. So what do you think could be causing the pain when she goes if her anal glands aren't always filled with fluid? For me, I do a lot of the same approaches that your doctor has done where we change the diets. I actually, as gross as it is, I like evidence. And I will actually ask my clients to bring the poop in because mm-hmm. I want to see that full movement. Sometimes there can be uh, changes in the shape or the size of a cat's stool. And that may give us some hints to some problems. If there's okay. any kind of looseness with that, mm-hmm. sometimes that may mean that, you know, maybe we really don't have a constipation issue. Maybe we have more of a parasite and I know you don't want to trouble your vet and you don't want to hit upon her in her time of trials, but you're 
right. kitty has needs too. So I think that's yeah. a you know a valid thing. And most veterinarians have um, fill-ins or substitutes, folks that can kind of work in their absence. And I think that would be very important for your baby. Okay. Good luck with that, Kathy. We thank, thank you for you. your call. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, Alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only Alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, there's this big debate brewing. You might have even participated in this debate recently. It's about the SNAP program, that Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, but it's otherwise more commonly called food stamps. There's a new petition on the Care2 website that has already gained signatures from more than 85,000 supporters. And though experts say the petition has very little chance of success, What it does is it's asking the federal government to modify food stamp rules to make it easier for low-income people to buy food for their pets. Well, you know, today's political climate and climate and how divided it is, this would be a hot debate, and it's already become so. Once the petition reaches 90,000 signatures, it'll be presented to the USDA, the Department of Agriculture. However, there are a lot of challenges in actually changing SNAP because Since 1964, the food stamp program has specifically prohibited people from using food stamps to buy pet food because the program defines food as, quote, any food or food product for human consumption. So altering that definition would require as they say, an act of Congress. Well, currently there is no federal program that helps low-income people care for their pets, but several big organizations like the ASPCA and the PetSmart Charities have stepped up with food banks for pets all around the country. But these groups say that allowing food stamps to be used for pet food could potentially keep tens of thousands of animals out of shelters and also prevent low-income people from giving their own food to their pets. And by the way, according to the Pet Products Association, food for dogs and cats yearly will average a normal person $235 a year. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, I was going to laugh, so but laugh. I... Uh, yeah. Does that seem right? I, no. Doesn't that... But I, I, they're they're averaging all size dogs, so teeny weeny teacup dogs that are fed, say something very inexpensive from the grocery store aisle, versus you know huge dogs. Old Roy, like I think we're Nikki. talking about Old Roy. Yeah, that do, I'm sorry, like that, that does that. not add right. up. Yeah. Right, but no, then you have huge dogs that consume you know like ultra expensive. You know, and by the time you do add it up, but still. I wish my food bill was only $235 yeah. a year. It's been more than that a month. Too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. Um, fleas Ugh. from our, our pets. This is a strange story. Fleas from our own pets, domestic cats, dogs, normal pets, are affecting wildlife species. And this is something that's going on all around the world. New research has discovered breeding flea populations that are living among 
a whole range of species, including everything from possums, coyotes, jackals, and, and dozens of others. Literally all told, scientists found cat fleas, and that's the most common type of domestic flea. They found these cat fleas among 130 wildlife species, while the less common dog flea was found to be thriving among 31 different wild mammal species. That's Tater crying in the background. He's in studio with Maggie today. No treats for you. We were just talking about pet food, weren't we? Uh, well, anyway, but because fleas can carry disease-causing bacteria, including the microbes responsible for, gosh, diseases like the bubonic plague or typhoid, they say the urban wildlife flea and parasite exchange that's going on is a very serious threat to both humans and animals. And at the world-class Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, big fancy art museum in Bentonville, Arkansas, everyone there wants to see the resident cat that has become the museum's spokescat. Have you seen his video? His name is Hamish, and he was adopted last year, or 2016, make that, uh, by a couple that lives near this museum. But Hamish has actually adopted the entire museum and its staff and their grounds. He's often over at the museum welcoming guests, and he poses for selfies with people. And then he's inside riding the elevator, stopping for a bite at the desks of employees who have bowls of food out for him. So now that he's famous, Hamish has his own Facebook page. It's called Hamish the Museum Advocate. <laughs> Hamish's family say they will get as many as five calls a day some weeks from museum visitors who want to alert them that, hey, we found your cat. They finally changed their voicemail greeting to let callers know that Hamish is where he wants to be, and we know that he's there. He'll be home tonight. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. It is free, made possible by Fear Free. And it's a great app to have just in case there's ever a recall, a food recall. You'll get a notification right to your phone as soon as it happens. As soon as we get the news, the news is in your phone. So download the free app right now uh, from your Google Play Store or your Apple iTunes Store or your Apple App Store. Just wherever you download your apps. <laughs> right now for Dr. Debbie, we have, is it El- Elva? Is it Elvira? Elva? What is it? Sylvia. Sylvia. Sylvia, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Right at the moment, I'm going through Hartford, Connecticut. You're traveling today? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I deliver horse trailers. You deliver horse trailers. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand you have a horse question for uh, Dr. Debbie. Yeah, I've got a, a, he has an 18-year-old thoroughbred gelding. Uh, He's pretty skinny. I took, I took him in. Uh, I run a small equine rescue down in East Texas. And uh, I've gotten his teeth floated. He had an abscess tooth, and he's got a couple of teeth missing. And uh, I've got him I've got him on that one and only horse feed, and I'm trying to figure out if that's, a, if that's a good feed to have him on, or do I need to try something else? 
Okay. And he's, since you've had his teeth floated, he's not gaining weight since then still? Uh, he's probably put on a little bit of weight. I haven't really been, I haven't been home to really see what he looks like right at the moment. I pretty much stay out on the road most of the time. My son <laughs> takes care of the horses. Okay. All right. Well, if it's not something that we can easily see an improvement after his teeth have been addressed, you know, I'll be honest, I don't work on horses on a regular basis, but dog, cat, horse, pig, otherwise, if we've tried just some reasonable care and that hasn't changed in his overall body condition, then I'm inclined to say, okay, we got to go looking for something there. Yeah. Well, uh, we've wormed him and everything and, uh, I think it was the feed because we just, I just started him on that one and only. And it's like a, like a round wafer looking, you know. And mm-hmm. I had him on strategy. The strategy was a pellet and he couldn't really keep a whole lot of it in his mouth. You know, he ended up dropping a lot of feed, so. Sure, sure. Well, and you know, I can tell you that, you know, like I said, sometimes when the body weight is not coming up, even though we're on a good diet, um, there can be problems brewing. And, and things beyond teeth and deworming, there's a lot more to uh, equine medicine even. You know, we do blood work on these guys, uh, scoping them. There can be a whole gamut of issues. So um, I have some wonderful colleagues in the veterinary world um, that are online that have maybe a bit, uh, actually a heck of a lot more equine experience than me um, since my uh, horses are very large Great Danes that I deal with. <laughs> But I would say, if you go to the website Pet Docs on Call and ask an equine question, you will find oodles of veterinarians that are prepared to answer those feed-specific questions and, and maybe give you a little bit more guidance in that way. And we'll link to it from okay. the front of the website at AnimalRadio.com. We appreciate your call. Alan Cable with a very important dog tip, probably the most important one I've ever given you. Aggressive dogs are a huge problem in America. I just saw one at the dog park, a bulldog. He was out of his mind on the leash. Wanted to attack everybody. I tried to talk to the owners, but they didn't want to hear about it. Some folks get very defensive when you say they have an aggressive dog. If your dog is showing signs of aggression, rule out any medical problems or injuries first. Take them to the vet. Once a medical reason is ruled out, you got to deal with it. A lot of people think it'll just go away. Or that their dog would never hurt a member of the family. Or they say, hey, he doesn't act like that all the time. It's a mistake to think that just because your dog hasn't bitten anybody, you don't have a problem. Aggressive dogs are unpredictable and they can become dangerous. If your dog is growling, snarling, or jumping up on people, trying to mount them, snapping, barking constantly, putting his teeth on you, even if he doesn't break the skin, your dog's more than likely got a problem with aggression and is fully capable of biting someone. Some of the places and times you might see your dog become aggressive, it might happen when there's other dogs around or strange people. When he's eating and somebody gets too close or walks by. When you're trying to remove a dog from your space, like on the couch or in your bed. A lot of times you see it when a dog is in the car and a stranger walks by. The dog just goes nuts. Or when he's on a leash in public. Sometimes when a small dog is being held by its owner and somebody gets close, the dog starts to growl and snap. Some dogs chase anything that moves. Some dogs show aggression when you move too quickly or suddenly, when you're putting the leash on, when he's sleeping and you disturb him. Many people are in denial when they have an aggressive dog. They see the dog as a human, another person. They rationalize, make excuses, and try to reason with the dog. And they don't want to hear about it. Well, listen up. If your dog is showing signs of aggression, you need to find a professional, an expert in animal behavior. Because this is the kind of problem that only gets worse. Again, find a professional. Find an expert. Don't attempt to do it yourself. Be a responsible dog owner. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. 
After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. In today's automotive news, bad news for one Tesla Model S driver who reportedly smashed into the back of a fire truck parked on the freeway while his autopilot was engaged. The Culver City fire truck was working Interstate 405 north of LA when the Tesla hit it at a high rate of speed. The fire truck had its emergency lights on and was shielding the scene of a previous accident. Pictures show the Tesla suffering significant damage. No word on the driver. The fire truck has been taken out of service. For more, go to ourautoexpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets? If you're a longtime listener, you know there's a little bit of difference in the studio about really a lot of things. <laughs> it, one of them is insurance, pet insurance. I, of course, am, I believe the school of thought, take a little money, put it away, and uh, put it into an interest bearing savings account, even if it's only like 0.35. But you have it there just in case there's a rainy day emergency. And that's how I deal with my pet emergencies. You have to be disciplined to do that. Now, Dr. Debbie comes from a different school of thought. As yeah, because she- also you have to be lucky, too, because sometimes it's not just one event that happens or you have multiple pets getting sick at w- one time. And so you may not have been able to plan for that. So that's why I'm an advocate for pet insurance. OK, well, let's find out what Nicole Forsyth thinks. She is the president and CEO of Red Rover, and she's done a little study on insurance claims that had to be filed through the pet insurance companies. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Well, what is your thought? Do you think pet insurance is a good value and something that everybody should have? You know, I think it really varies. Just like you mentioned, having a savings account can be a really great way to prevent, you know, prepare for emergencies. But um, other people might really want something that's more disciplined and have that in place. And it really does provide a, a peace of mind. So it's it's a highly variable situation. Do you have insurance for your pets? I have in the past. Um, you know, and again, it was that personal preference where, I had a dog who was actually part lab, and he really did get into mischief. He he was a very extrovert, outgoing dog, and he would try things and eat things, and I felt like it was a really good investment um, for me. And he did end up having cancer, um, and my insurance company, you know, I paid premiums over the 11, 11 years of his life, um, and it was just... I don't even know if I ever did the actual cost-benefit analysis, but at the end of his life, having the insurance there to help me really, really was helpful. So how did you select that insurance? You know, at the time, there weren't. this was quite a while ago, so there weren't as many options. So I think it's probably not – I would ask very different questions nowadays because there are so many different options. Mm. What I would recommend people do now is really, you know, depending on if you have, you know, the age of your animal, whether it's a dog or a cat – um, whether there are any breed-specific 
diseases or illnesses that those breeds tend to get, that's something people are going to want to pay a lot of attention to because sometimes the insurance companies will have um, some different hereditary coverages that they'll exclude knowing the breed. So that's really important because if you have a purebred dog that's very prone to something, that, that insurance company may or may not cover what they most likely will have. So that's a really good question to ask an insurance company. And, you know, first of all, just getting the basics down, you know, finding out if there is a cap to the coverage, you know, are, is there a maximum amount they'll pay? Um, what do they exclude? Because they all have certain exclusions. You just have to know which ones, you know, are going to be best for you, you know, which ones you won't worry about too much. Um, do they, uh, what pre-existing conditions won't they cover? Is there going to be an age limit? You know, are they going to stop if your pet lives to be a certain age? Will they no longer be covered? So there's some really good details you'll want to ask your insurance companies uh, before you make that choice. So looking at three, you know, choosing the top three, getting some recommendations from friends or people you know, um, and then just doing some good comparisons and trying to figure out which one works best for you. You can certainly choose one that pay, that has a higher deductible, so very classic to um, very similar to human to human insurance where the more deductible you pay the chances are your premiums are going to premiums are going to be a little bit less so lots of things to consider but if you just kind of go through a list um, the articles that we the, the articles written on the mercury news had a really good list of questions and it's on our website redrover.org if anyone wants to try to find those too um, is it like human insurance where I have to find a veterinarian that will accept this insurance? Yeah, that's another good thing to ask, too, to make sure they don't, um, you know, that you'll be able to, to use your same veterinarian. It's not quite the same. It's not quite as complicated as the human insurance because you are getting reimbursed from the company as opposed to having the, the veterinary clinic have to bill an insurance company. So because of that model, you don't have run into that as much. It's not like there's a preferred provider network. Um, yeah, and, and I can say this is Dr. Debbie, and we don't have any restrictions on pet insurance at our office. Um, there's only one that we have set up as a direct payer to us, and they usually have a pre-screening um, process so people know what they're getting before we do a mm-hmm. surgery, how much will be covered, okay. um, and that one will pay us directly. But I, I think you bring some great points up, Nicole, that you know we need to know what kind of questions to guide our, our pet owners on. Um, and I do think that finding out um, pre-existing health conditions is a big one, as well as um, are they having per event coverage or per diagnosis? Because your pet can have, say, pancreatitis three times in a year, but if they only will cover that diagnosis once, that's different than paying it out three times. So that's a good question to d- get a distinction on. And also the most common thing people do wrong, I think, with pet insurance is they come to the vet, say, my dog's limping, and, oh, I'm going to get insurance and I'll come back in a few months. And it's already been documented. Your pet has a limping problem. It's already been discussed. So guess what? That's going to be pre existing so that doesn't cover it uh, yeah. yeah you know what i gotta say right now i feel very confident with my decision because I mean, it seems like there's a lot of possibilities and loopholes and, and different things that could exclude a company from paying out and i know i can go right into my bank account and i don't have to i i have a pretty low bar for lending myself money Well, Nicole, I thank you for taking time today, and redrover.org is the website. We're going to get on out of here. Remember, if you want to get your fix during the week, you need that Animal Radio fix. Give me that fix. Head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. 
is Animal Radio Network.